Let's take our Bibles, if you would. Please go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're officially halfway through the book of Romans. Halfway. Romans chapter 8. Let me start off by asking a very interesting question. Before I do that, we should pray. So let's do that. Let's pray first. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. Father, what a great privilege it is to be here tonight. And I pray that as we open your word and study it and glean from it and grow, Father, that your will would be accomplished in our lives. Father, help us as we study this particular passage in, in, in this particular subject, Father, that we would see and experience extraordinary victory. And Father, that your will would be accomplished in our lives. Thank you so much for all you do. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right? Let me ask this very interesting question, if you will. Um, do you believe in the supernatural? Do you believe in the supernatural? Uh, I'm getting some of this. Uh, I'm getting some of this. All right? I'm, not, I'm talking about things that are above and beyond natural. Okay? So that's what supernatural means. It means above and beyond natural. I'm not talking about exceptional, okay? We have some athletes in our world that are exceptional. In fact, we have a friend who knows uh, somebody who's playing hockey right now, and he is applying for what's called exceptional status. He's 14 years old trying to get into the like, London Knights OHL. I mean, that's incredible. And his brother's already in... The, to that, and it's this massive, big thing, okay? I'm not talking about exceptional. That is exceptional. I'm talking about something greater than exceptional, supernatural. So I'll ask you again, do you believe in the supernatural? Sometimes when that question is asked or when we begin to think about the supernatural, we actually get a little bit scared talking about it. Uh, I'm not sure I really want to go down that path. I'm not sure I want to talk about that. Um, I actually had two calls this week that had something to do with something that was perceived as supernatural. Two this week. I was like, what is going on in the water this week? And I'm not sure that it's anything in the water, but this I know, there is a supernatural world. So especially this time of year, we get a little worried about these things, don't we? Halloween's coming, right? And we don't want our children dressing up as wizards and warlocks and witches and all kinds of other things. We want to shy away from the supernatural, okay? We, we shy away from that. But at the sake of being accused of beating a dead horse, I want to bring this up again. We as Christians have the opportunity at living a supernatural life. Let me say that one more time. We as Christians, we have the opportunity to live a supernatural life. The, most of us will probably never even try to live a supernatural life. We'll probably never try. The majority of us will never see it. And you think, oh, that's wonderful. Thanks for that vote of encouragement. But here's the reality. Over the last several months, our passages from the Bible have led us to believe that Christians do not have to live ordinary, defeated lives. We don't have to. We don't have to stay there. We are dead indeed to our sins, Romans chapter 6. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? 
So from Romans chapter 6 all the way now to Romans chapter 8, we are seeing this over and over and over. In fact, we don't have to live defeated lives. We can live supernatural, free lives completely and utterly. In our study of the book of Romans, we are getting into the portion of the book that describes a pretty much completely foreign idea to us, to most of us. It's the idea that we are more than conquerors. You can see that in Romans chapter 8, toward the end of the passage, we are more than conquerors. In verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. But all the way down to verse 37, the Bible says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And you say, Pastor Jones, why are you insulting us already this evening? saying that most of us won't won't try and the majority of us will never actually see it. Well, here's the reality. For many of us, it's a foreign idea because we can't even imagine living a life of actual victory. We can't imagine living a life of actual victory. How many of you struggle with sin? I'll raise both my hands. We do. And I'm frustrated by that. I'm not okay with that, just for the record. I hate that. It bothers me. And I, I, just, I just get, you get into this, uh, what I like to call a rut, where you just think, well, I'm never going to not sin. I'm never going to not have victory. I'm never going to not overcome all of these things. But I want you to understand the context of Romans chapter 8 is living a supernatural life. It's living a life that is allowing us to be more than conquerors. More than conquerors. And we'll, we're going to delve into this, but I really want you to begin thinking this way. I want to preface this lesson with something that I don't say very often, but I really, really, really want you to pay attention tonight. Okay? Not that I don't care if you pay attention any other time, but this one is important. Tonight, I want to lay a groundwork for what I perceive to be the rest of Romans chapter 8. And if you kind of miss tonight, you may miss some things. Because I believe we're getting somewhere, and I hope it will bring clarity to the rest of the passage. We're going to get somewhere that most of us have probably heard sermons on. Right? You're more than a conqueror. I've preached sermons on Romans chapter 8. You know, all things work together for good. And we just preach these things and preach these things. And they're wonderful things to preach, but often we hear them, we want to live them, and often where do we end up? wanting to live them more and more and more because we just can't seem to get there. Okay, I'm not going to preach to you anything new. I promise. I don't have this new line. But I want to just establish some things that maybe we've missed in the past. So Romans chapter 8 and verse 8. This is really where we ended up last week. The Bible says this, So then they that are in the flesh cannot, notice it again, cannot please God. Can't happen. If you live in the flesh, if you live carnally, if you do what you want to do, you are in in an impossible situation to please God. Now, again, I did not say that. The Bible says that. But I want you to notice this. This leads us right into verse 9. Okay, so he says, you cannot please God in the flesh. But he says this, ye are not in the flesh. 
But, notice this, you are in the Spirit. Okay, notice this. He says, not in the flesh. Here's not. But you are in the Spirit. This is so important. Here's the reality of our lives. And I'll say it over and over and over and over and over again probably in the next several months and probably for the rest of my life. We don't have to live in the flesh. We don't have to. Most of us do, but we don't have to. We have the opportunity here to relinquish our flesh and live in the Spirit. We now get that opportunity. We have this awesome opportunity now to please God. Remember, verse 8 said, if we are in the flesh, we cannot please God. And this verse says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. So what does that mean? That we now have the opportunity to please God. I want, to, I want you to realize that. Before salvation, when we were in our flesh, we had no possible way to please God. None. Impossible. What if I help little old ladies across the street? Doesn't please God. Okay? But now a door has been opened to us. An effectual door in which we walk through and have the Spirit of the living God fall fresh on me. And now I have the opportunity to please God. I hope you're following. We have the opportunity to please God. Now, this ought to be extremely exciting news for all of us who sit here as human beings. We are fleshly by nature. Our natural man is fleshly. Our natural man is carnal. And therefore, by nature, what comes natural to us is unable to please God. Is everybody following me? You guys are starting to fall asleep a little bit. So just at least nod your head so that I know you're with me. You're like, where are you going with this? I'll get there. So here's the idea. If I am fleshly, I cannot please God. If I am saved, I have the Spirit of God in my life, then I can please God. Fleshly, natural, can't please God. Spiritual, nat supernatural, you getting it? Please God. Okay, so if you're in the position of, okay, I can live in my flesh or I can live in the Spirit, and most of the world is living in the flesh, right? Most of the world is unsaved. So if you are the world, and you think, man, I want to have access to God. I want Him to do what, what I want Him to do. I, I don't like this flesh that leads to death. Uh, I like spirit that leads to life. I, I'm going to become a Christian. Now everybody just call me a Christian, right? Anybody ever met anybody that is a Christian by name only? What does it mean to be a Christian? Like you begin to ask them some things. Listen, declaring yourself to be a Christian does not make you a Christian. We live in a society. I was talking to somebody today and they said, I think this person's a Christian. And I said, Can you kind of tell me what that means? What does it mean to be a Christian? The reality is that word in our society has become something that it does not mean in the Bible. So just because you declare yourself to be a Christian doesn't mean that you are, but look at the uh, rest of the, or the second part of this verse. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God, notice this word, dwell 
in you. So if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then you are in the Spirit. Okay, so think about somebody who is fleshly, worldly, okay? And they want to be Spirit-filled. They want the opportunity to please God, okay? Just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. So what do they say? I'm spiritual. Ever met somebody like that? Well, I'm a very spiritual person. Again, I have to define terms. What do you mean by spiritual, right? Well, we offer incantations, and we offer incense, and we burn this, and we, you know, we enjoy sitting in nature, and there's all kinds of other things, okay? Please understand this. Just because you say you're spiritual, just because you say you're a Christian, does not mean that the Spirit indwells you, okay? Some of you are like, oh, where is he going with this? Follow me, okay? Just because you say that doesn't mean that you are. Please understand, it is wonderful to desire to please God. It's wonderful to desire to be a Christian. It's wonderful to, be, to desire to be spiritual. But just naming the name of Christ does not make you a Christian. And just by being spiritual doesn't make you quote, pleasing to God. Again, sometimes we get in our heads that as long as we are God's children, we will always please Him. Well, the reality is, if you are in the flesh, you cannot please God, whether you're His child or not. Let me ask you, those of you who have children, have your children ever displeased you? Yeah, I mean, of course. But they're my children. They, they're, they aren't allowed to displease me. But they do. You know why? Because they're doing what they want to do. Our children, maybe I probably shouldn't tell you this, but our children are very, very good at not listening. It's incredible. I'll come in the room and I'll say, why, why are the kids doing that? Well, I told them four or five times. Like, they're not listening. And so I always thought it was my wife's fault, right? She wasn't firm enough. And then not, not 10 seconds later, I'm not kidding. I said to the kids, it's time for bed. It's time for bed. It's time for bed. It's time for bed. Which in our house means get going. I said it four times. And I was like, Whoa. Listen, our kids wanted to do what they wanted to do. They were playing. They were watching a movie, I think. They were enjoying themselves. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. They didn't want to hear what mom and dad had to say. So let's listen. Just because you're a child of God, just because you are actually saved, just because you call yourself a Christian, just because you call yourself spiritual, just because you attend Bible Baptist Church, just because you read your Bible every day. Are you getting the picture? Just because doesn't mean that we live in the Spirit of God every single day. How can we as imperfect beings always please a perfect God all of the time. Impossible, right? We are imperfect beings pleasing, trying to please a perfect God all the time. Well, the reality here is you cannot please God. You cannot. Some people will say this. 
well, I was baptized with the Spirit. I was baptized in the Spirit, so that means I will always live in the Spirit. Once again, being baptized by the Spirit only means that you now have access to the Spirit. It does not guarantee you always will live in the Spirit. You say, Pastor Yeomans, why are you harping on this so much? Here's why. Because Paul's going to get dogmatic. Verse 8, he was dogmatic. We don't like that word dogmatic anymore, right? That's an old last century word. But Paul's getting dogmatic. Now look at this. What he says here. I'm going to use red on this one. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Wow. That's a big statement. Let me say it one more time. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, notice, he is none of his. That's pretty dogmatic. That's pretty black and white, if you will. There's no gray area there. And you say, what's the point of all this? Listen, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, we are none of His. We are not a part of Him. We are at best in that state. Fleshly human beings, listen, with no hope. John chapter 3, in verse 6, the Bible says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Verse 7, Jesus says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. You see, the reality is we live in a society today that constantly says, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and we live in a post-Christian society, but we're still hearing it. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I live a moral life. That, That does not equate to being a Christian. That does not equate to being a spirit-filled body of believers. John the Apostle replicates almost the exact same verse in Paul's thought here. In Romans chapter 8, but John reverses the order in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 13. He says this, Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because what? He hath given us His Spirit. Okay, if you have not the Spirit of God, Paul says, you are none of His. John says almost the exact same thing, but reverses the order and says, we know that we dwell in Him and He in us because He hath given us His Spirit. So here's my question to you tonight. Do you personally have access to the Spirit of God? Okay, ask that question very specifically. Do you have access to the Spirit of God? I hope you do. If you sit here tonight and I look across the room, I think I know most of you, but if you sit here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, let tonight be the night. Because without that, you cannot please God. You will never make it to heaven. Jesus is the only way. So looking across this room, I think all of us have access to the Spirit of God. But let me ask this question, how do we know? How do we know for sure that we are in the Spirit? How do I know that I have the Spirit of Christ? Well, now I'm going to wake you all up and we're going to start turning. So go to 1 John chapter 4. 
1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, look with me in verse 2. Okay, so how do I know? Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. How do I know it's the Spirit of God? How do I know I'm not just a spiritual person? Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Watch this. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Let me ask you tonight. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh? That is the Spirit of God. That's what the Bible says. Look at verse 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. But notice, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children. And have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Okay, so how do I know? Well, do you believe that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh? That's true. Then you have the Spirit. Okay, great. We know that we have the Spirit. We have access to Almighty God through the Spirit. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're constantly walking in Him. Right? So just because we have him in our lives, just because he indwells us, doesn't mean that we are walking in the Spirit. So let's ask this question. What is it that we can do to walk in the Spirit? Think about that just for a second. What is it we can do that we can walk in the Spirit? What is it that we can do so that we can have supernatural power? What is it? Does anybody see a problem with that question? Again, I try to word things very specifically tonight. Okay, the question was, what do we do? We do nothing. We really do nothing. We will work. We'll get there. But what do we do? Here's how the question ought to be asked. If we do what we do, it's our flesh it is what the Spirit can do through us that will bring something supernatural. So the question ought to be asked this way. What can the Spirit do through me? What can the Spirit do through me? What can the Spirit do through us that results in pleasing God? Not fulfilling the lust of our own flesh and living a victorious Christian life. How can we live supernaturally? How can the Spirit work through us? Well, I think we need to understand who the Spirit is. So tonight is just a study on who the Spirit is and His job. Number one, He is very simply a truth deliverer. Okay? Number one, a truth deliverer. Let's go to John chapter 16. If you're in the habit of writing things down, I would challenge you to write these things down. Because these, again, these are not mine, okay? I want you to understand that. I'm not asking you to write these down because I think I'm smart. That's not the point. The point is, there is a progression here that we need to see. John chapter 16, look with me in verse 13. The Bible says this, How be it when he, 
The Spirit of truth is come. Notice, He will guide you into what? All truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Notice, He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. So He's a truth deliverer. He's, uh, he will guide you into all truth. In our small groups right now, we just started a new series. Some of you may be really far behind, but where we are in our small groups, we just started talking about, can truth be known? We live in, in, in what has been classified as a post-truth world. I don't even understand that. But see, here's the reality. The Spirit of the living God is a truth deliverer. He's constantly, he's not going to speak of himself. He's going to speak of Jesus Christ. He's going to continue to guide us into all truth. But number two, he's a truth deliverer. Number two, he's a comfort dispenser. Comfort dispenser. John chapter 16, you're there, look in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, watch this, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And he continues down, and that's when he introduces him as the Spirit of truth. Okay, so not only is he a truth deliverer, he's a comfort dispenser. You say, how is the Spirit a comforter? Most of us think of a comforter as something warm and fuzzy that holds us when we're hurting. Absolutely, he does that. But for the purposes of this, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Look with me in verse 12. It's talking about Christ. Verse 12 says that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted, trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth. Notice that. After ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with what? That Holy Spirit of promise. It's important, Okay sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Look at verse 14. Which is the earnest of our inheritance. Now I have to stop here. I've preached this multiple times. Does anybody know what earnest means? It means down payment. It means collateral. It means down payment. So which is the earnest or down payment of our what? Our inheritance until when? Until the redemption of the what? The purchased possession. So one day, somebody's going to come back for their purchased possession. And the reality is he gave us something to hold on to until that day. Something that proved that he was going to come back. Something that proved that he was going to pay for that. The down payment. You know what that down payment was? It was the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. I've never been a slave. I've never been a slave. But I just imagine in my head what it would be like. 
I would imagine in my head what it would be like to be a slave and have somebody come by and say, hey, in X amount of years, I'm coming for you. And here's a token that that's going to happen. Let me ask you a question. I don't know if I can make it through this. How tightly would you hold on to that? How tightly would you hold on to that down payment, that promise that someday I'm going to be free? I mean, I'd hold on to that thing with a grip that nope, I'd, I would hang on to that thing. I would love that thing. I would look at it every night. Because why? It's a token of a promise. Listen, that's what the Spirit is. Listen, that's comforting to me. That's exciting to me. Because someday we're going to leave this whole dirty, rotten world behind. And we're going to meet Him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And what did He leave us? He left us the Spirit, a token, an earnest, a down payment. How do we know He's going to come again? Because He's left us a token of His imminent return. So not only is He a truth deliverer, He's a comfort dispenser. Number three, He's a God indoctrinator. (laughs) He's a God indoctrinator. Again, we don't like the word indoctrination. But let's turn over there. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look with me in verse 10. I love this part. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. The Bible says this, But God hath revealed them unto us, how? By His Spirit. You can see that there's all kinds of wonderful things that He's going to reveal to us in verse 9. He's revealed them to, unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit, watch this, searcheth all things, Yea, what? The deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Stop right there. We can know nothing of God in the flesh. Very, I mean, creation tells us some things. Our consciousness tells us things, but without the Spirit of God moving, we cannot know the things of God. Verse 12. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Why? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that we may instruct him. Listen, but we have the mind of Christ. Guess who's the agent of all of that? The Spirit. The Spirit indoctrinates us about God. You want to know more about God? It's the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who constantly, again, guides us into all truth, says, hey, your owner, because we are bought with a price, your owner's coming, 
And this is who he is, and this is what he's like, and this is what he loves, and all of these different things. He's the God indoctrinator. Number four, he's the habitation builder. He's the habitation builder. She's saying, what in the world? Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, look with me in verse 18. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18. The Bible says this. For through Him, being Jesus Christ, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but what are you? You're fellow citizens with the saints, watch this, and of the household of God. So you used to be out there, way out there, but we've, been, we've brought you close. You now have access. You're in the household of God. Verse 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Watch this, verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. So every piece for a specific purpose. Verse 22, in whom ye are also builded together for what? For an habitation of God through the Spirit. I don't, I don't know how to word this just right, but a life that's lived by truth, realizing whose you are, fully understanding and learning and learning and learning more about God, guess what? The Bible says that we are in habitation of God. Let me put it to you this way. God wants to live in you. He wants to live in you through the Spirit. So he's a habitation builder. He's building a place. He wants to live inside. So number one, truth deliverer. Number two, comfort dispenser. Number three, God indoctrinator. Number four, habitation builder. And number five, supernatural strengthener. <laughs> verse, Ephesians chapter three, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knee, knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Why? That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might, how? By his spirit in the inner man. Why? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. Look what else you'll be able to do. Verse 18. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. What? What is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and all these other things. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Here it is. Watch this. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Does anybody... I hope, I hope you're seeing the progression. I'm a truth. I want to know truth. 
I need a truth deliver. I need somebody who's going to guide me into all truth. I need to understand why that truth is important and that because I am bought with a price and that Holy Spirit is my down payment. And then I want to learn all about God I can because He's meek and lowly in heart and we shall find rest unto our souls. And He's a habitation builder and He wants to live inside of me and live through me so that He will give me supernatural strength. Look at that end of that verse filled with all the fullness of God. So instead of being filled with all the fullness of yourself, you're filled with all the fullness of God. Now don't raise your hand. But how many of you want to be filled with all the fullness of God? The way that we do that is through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. You see, I believe that it's not until we know the truth from the Spirit of God that we can be free. Jesus says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We need to be comforted by Him knowing that He is our promise, and He is our returning Savior. We need to be completely and utterly indoctrinated about God. I believe that with all my heart. So that we can be built up a habitation where God wants to dwell. So that we can be supernaturally filled with all of God's strength. Again, filled with God, not with ourselves. A place where the Spirit reigns and not the flesh. Does this seem like a pipe dream to you? Like, oh, that's, that's nice. But it's unattainable. It's unattainable. I believe this. The life lived in the Spirit is a supernatural life. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which what? Strengtheneth. That verse has been taken out of context more than just about any other verse I know. Do you want to live the victorious over sin Christian life? Do you want to please God with every step, with every day, with every moment of every day? You can't. I'm sorry. You can't. But through Christ and His Holy Spirit, We can. As much as you try, listen, I'll sit here with you all day long and tell you all the things that I've tried. But we can't. So here's what I believe our responsibility is to Mr. Holmes' point. Here's what I believe our responsibility is moving forward. Listen to the wording very carefully. We have to start allowing the guide to guide us into all truth. You see, here's what we do. We input what we want to input. Oh, we may read our Bible, but I know people who read their Bible and find out what they want to say through the Bible. Allow the Word of God. Allow it. You have to allow it to be in you. 
to fill you, to radiate through you. So we have to, number one, we have to start allowing the guide to guide us into all truth. Number two, we have to start allowing those, excuse me, we have to start allowing whose we are to come out. Whose we are. You know, we're, we are not our own. We are bought with a price. That ought to come out. Who is seen in your life? Do you see you or do, do people see Christ in you? Whose are we? I'm not my own. Number three, we have to allow the truth and whose we are to so indwell us that we're indoctrinated with it and it's literally who we become. And then we become by the power of the Spirit a place where God dwells. Listen, God is a jealous God. He doesn't necessarily like us spending time with anybody else. And so he wants to dwell in the place where somebody's learning truth and knows who he is, being indoctrinated and learning. And God wants to dwell there. And I have no doubt that you will start experiencing victory like you've never experienced before. So let me ask you, does the Spirit of God dwell in you? And then the follow-up question is, do you have supernatural strength? Are you seeing victory after victory after victory over sin? If you're not, are you willing to submit yourself to the Spirit who will guide you into all truth, who will indoctrinate you into Christ, who will comfort you, who will build you a habitation, and who will strengthen you supernaturally? Will you allow that into your life? It's not rocket science. You already have him there. How much are you going to allow him to do his job? That's the difference. It's literally that much of a difference. We go back to who are you going to yield yourselves to? Ye yield yourself. Who are you yielding to? You say, okay, that was great, that was wonderful, but what does that have to do with Romans? It has to do with being more than a conqueror through him that loved us. It has to do that no matter what comes into your life will be for his good. It, it involves living this supernatural Christian life. And listen, every one of us that sit here, sits here tonight has heard stories about the supernatural life. So I'm just going to tell you, it's completely possible. And I'm going to stand in front of you tonight ashamed that I'm not one of those stories yet. Not so that I'm famous, but so that God gets the glory through the life. Listen, you don't have to live defeated. You can live in the Spirit. You can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can. It's not a pipe dream. You can live like Christ if you'll allow it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day.
Thank you so much for the opportunity. Father, once again, I can't help but maybe even apologize for maybe the lack of clarity, but Father, I hope that your spirit will work for this weak tongue cannot. Father, I just pray that you would help us in our everyday life to walk in the spirit. Father, our world is discipling us every day with false truth. It's not even a statement, but with just falsities everywhere. Help us to input the truth. Help us to put it in so much that we're comforted by who you are. We know you on a new level. In a place that you want to stay with us and talk with us and live with us. Father, Revelation 3 says, Behold, you stand at the door and knock, just begging to come in. You want to be our habitation. Father, here we are, living our lives as carnally as possible, just doing enough just to hang on. Father, we beg for your forgiveness. and pray that we would have this supernatural power to walk in the Spirit. Again, Father, I hope, I hope it's understood tonight that it's not a power to be used for ourselves. It's a power to have the victory over sin, in which you've already given us, you've given us access to it, but Father, so many of us don't access it. So forgive us. Father, I pray that you would just continue to work in our lives. Thank you so much for all you do. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.